You're listening to the More and Better Disciples podcast, a resource to equip the church to make more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the More and Better Disciples podcast. I'm your host, Keith Caps, here with Phil Kramer, lead pastor of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How's it going, Phil? Keith, how you doing today, brother? Doing great. It's a beautiful, sunny day here in Arkansas. Hey, and glad to have our next-gen pastor, Josh Tompkins, back with us once again. How's it going, Josh? Always good to be here, Keith. Great to have you, and uh, great to continue the discussion today about making more and better disciples of the next generation. And today, hitting on a topic that uh, honestly is kind of heavy, and that is anxiety and depression in the next generation. And uh, definitely want to spend some time just having a conversation today um, about that and uh, and what the Bible says about it as well. But this is a story that um, or topic that kind of hits close to home uh, for at least a couple of us. So. Uh, with that said, Pastor Josh, um, you want to share a little bit about uh, what what this topic means to you? Yeah, of course. I mean, when I was coming out of high school and going into college, I recognized that there was a lot of stuff going on in my life that was, I mean, just not just bringing me down, but putting me putting me in a place of just severe isolation. Uh, my my weight was near it was like three hundred and eighty pounds at the time. Um, I was constantly up and down. Um, I was having conversations and arguments based on things that weren't real. Like I would be mad at my friends for something that they did not say. And I would, I would you know, get angry and then I would get, um, there'd be a lot of guilt and shame over, um, you know, what, what manifested in that way was just an extreme porn addiction um, because I'm trying to handle at the time, all these depressive thoughts, but didn't know how to really how to handle those. So my first year of college was just um, God breaking me, um, breaking my pride in a lot of things in my life, realizing like, I need I need help. I sought counseling. Um, I put myself in biblical counseling for three years. Uh, the first year was arguably the most hard. Um, it was very difficult. Um, it was during that time that um, I even attempted suicide um, because of where that led, because it was bringing up all these issues. Um, but again, through God's grace and through God's mercy, um, He rescued me out of so much bondage, um, so much sin, and so much negative um, thought process. Like my self worth was just low. And working with my counselor, um, psychiatrist, and friends, I began really rebuilding what it meant to have worth, what it meant to be loved. Um, everything, everything beforehand was all, you know, I need other people to love me. I need other people to validate me. I need other people to, to show me that I'm worth. And really what my counselor did was help restructure reframe my mind. That's kind of what the, the Bible talks about, like conforming our mind to that of Christ. And so just patiently, step by step, doing that uh, to the point where I understand that my worth was not in other people. My worth was found in who Christ is and what He's done for me. The, the love that I've been so desperately looking for was found in Christ. It wasn't found necessarily and others, and that started just really reshaping my mind, and that began to really reshape my output on uh, my output on life. Now, I would say, 
even today, there's a lot of those feelings and frustrations and even that mindset will still creep in. Um, but now there is a really strong biblical foundation. There is accountability set up in place um, with not only my wife, but with very close friends uh, that know me. And, um, you know, it's still still a battle that wages on today, but to the glory of God, it's something that I could say I've, I've really overcome this. And I, w- I would even argue it's not me who's overcome it, but it's Christ who's overcome, and I get to share in that victory. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. And man, uh, what a testimony to the goodness of God in His faithfulness. And um, I appreciate your vulnerability there. And man, I can relate to a lot of that. Um, in fact, I um, I had a bout uh, with depression um, several years ago, and and my story is is similar, but a little bit different in the fact that you know I probably struggled with um, anxiety and depression for a lot of my life and didn't even realize or acknowledge it. Um, I had a pretty traumatic childhood, went through a lot of difficult things uh, growing up, but, um, you know, thank God I was, I was in a church where I was hearing some of the truth, but it was a church culture where, man, you went to church and you put on a smile and you act like everything was okay, um, but inside and um, outside the walls of the church, man, I was really struggling, but, but did not... Um, one did not know it was okay to to say I need help. Um, two did not have a community or or anybody in my life really who I felt like I could trust with that. And so what happened is I just internalized all of that for years and years and years um, to a point where, as an adult, I brought that into my marriage um, and um, you know went through some difficulties there. Um, we we experienced a couple of miscarriages early on. Um, in our marriage. And um, one day uh, on a Saturday, uh, as I went to work in a pretty high stress job, all of that just came to a head. And it was like the floodgates of um, emotion and trauma uh, just broke open in my brain um, and literally went through a season where I could not think. Um, It was difficult to talk or have a conversation. Um, It was difficult for me to even read my Bible. Um, And and so walking through that, man, it was very scary. Um, but I am so thankful looking back now that, that God was with me in that. Um, you know, I can, can say that he never left me. He never, um, you know, forsook me. And he started a process where um, even when things were broken down um, to the bare minimum of who I was, I could see him rebuilding that. And um, over time, and with people who loved me and pointed me to Jesus, was able to start taking steps to rebuild and to process some of that emotional uh, weight and baggage that I'd been carrying and and trying to bury uh, for so long. And um, just like you, uh, Josh, you know there there's still days where it's a struggle, but I'm so thankful that God has has brought me so far and surrounded me with such a a great. Um, community of uh, support and uh, giving me some tools uh, to be able to walk through that. And um, looking back, man, I'm just so thankful for the faithfulness of God. And um, so why did we share that? We wanted to share and be honest because we think that it's important as we have this conversation on anxiety and depression, particularly in the next generation, to just say that, hey, you're not alone. 
Um, this is a topic that a lot of times people think that they can't share, that they can't be honest about um, their struggles or where they're at. And uh, we just want to bring, uh, shed some light on the fact that even in church, even in ministry, um, that um, these things uh, are often a common struggle and that you don't have to go through them alone. So with that being said, let's jump into some questions. And I just want to have a conversation today about anxiety and depression um, in the next generation, but particularly in the church as well. So um, we talked about, Josh, you mentioned isolation. Um, I kind of mentioned my story of not feeling like I could be honest about my struggles why do you guys think that it's often difficult for individuals um, to admit that they're struggling, to seek help, and why is that often even more difficult in the church? Yeah, well, I think there's always going to be this this pride factor. Not that I'm saying that's the only thing, but we've got to get over ourselves before we're really willing to reach out. And I mean, be honest. You know, that's the problem. I think sometimes people aren't 100% honest or transparent when when they are seeking help. The other thing I've seen certainly within churches, is that there's still, to some degree, a theological stigma. It's like, you know, if, if you were walking with the Lord, you wouldn't have these problems, right? Or how about this? Well, there's a spiritual solution to this. And quite honestly, as I look back at yesterday's message, that might be the weak link in the chain, quite honestly, is that I talked about some of the spiritual solutions as we see them spelled out in the Scripture, and those are 1,000% valid and, uh, and powerful but I, di- I didn't take enough time to talk about just some of the, the other resources available beyond that uh, in terms of some counseling resources. And you know what? I mean, I don't have a problem talking about medications, right? I mean, I have no problem going there. There's a lot of Christian people who freak out when you start talking about medication. Uh, I love the way John, John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur described it. He said, look, God has given us a, an increasing dominion over the creation, and that includes medications that help people who are dealing with with uh, emotional problems, that's that's ultimately a fallout of the of the the entire sin issue in the first place. I would agree. And say I would add that I mean, just thinking about my experience walking through, I think there's a personal aspect of it where um, I remember my counselor talking about it that it was like extreme narcissism when you're dealing with depression, and what he meant was like there are people that were constantly showing me love, but I was still like, no. So I, I was only viewing life through the lens of just myself. I wasn't looking at the blessings and the love and stuff that was there. So I think one of the reasons it's very difficult for someone to come forward is because a lot of times their reality is very skewed. And so you have to help, maybe even help that person um, come to that particular position, or if you are in that position where you're just not seeing it, you may have to admit to yourself, I may not know reality as it is, and I have to trust in my parents or my friend group that's telling me to get help. Now, in in particular, why is it hard in the church? I think Pastor Phil is right on the money. There's a lot of times where there's the perception of perfection, that everyone has it together but me, And the reality is so much farther from the truth, is that really church is a place where nobody is perfect. We're all seeking the only one who is, um, but we just get it in our mind that everyone has it put together but myself, and really, everyone's in their own mess. Yeah, that's so true, Um, and and I can can relate to that as well. You know, um, I would say the central message 
looking back for me, um, the way that I grew up in the church is anytime you struggled with mental health or, or any any kind of mental inconsistencies or anything like that, the central message was try harder, right? Just try harder. Um, just just pray more. Just read your Bible more. Um, I even had a pastor one time say, well, the reason why people struggle with depression is because they're just not grateful. Hmm. And and so, you know, the question is, well, well, how do you, like, how do, I wish I could just flip a switch and be more grateful, um, you know? And so while there is certainly some truth to that, to your point, Josh, um, it, there's not necessarily an easy answer in every case. Um, you know, uh, in my particular situation, I tried to read my Bible. I, I tried to pray, and my brain just would not function um, correctly. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely not a, a one solution fits all uh, when it comes to anxiety and depression, but it's important that we have these conversations as we, we move forward. And so one of those things that we talked about in the message, Phil, you mentioned that, um, you know, it, it, one of the ways that you can fight anxiety and depression is always to look to Jesus, right, for our joy, our hope. Um, and you specifically talked about the radiance that comes from seeking the Lord. And so what, is, what does that look like to seek the Lord in our everyday lives? What do we mean by that? Well, first of all, as we go back to Lamentations chapter 3, uh, I think some of the verses in there are absolutely at, at dead center of, of the, the topic, specifically for the next generation. So if you look at verses 25 and 26, as we talked about yesterday, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of of the Lord. And you may remember one of the things I said yesterday is I'm not nearly as concerned about all of the, the terrible and trashy content that's out there uh, in cyberspace, <clears throat> as bad as that is. But I think the bigger concern for me is that, is that oftentimes the technology is distracting the next generation from doing exactly what these verses say, waiting on him, seeking the Lord, waiting quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, when, when I was saved, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't struggle to have a quiet time because I did. And there's always, it, it doesn't matter because the flesh doesn't want to meet with the Lord. I mean, the flesh inside of us does not want to seek God. And whether it's technology or it's something else, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's going to get in the way. But I, I, in some ways, I feel sorry for the, for the next generation right now because there's so much more noise. And it's, I believe it's so much easier to be distracted from, from being quiet, sitting with the Lord, uh, truly slowing down enough to even, you know, have that uninterrupted, unhindered, uh, specific time with God. You know, so it it is definitely a challenge. But I think I think first the the first step, honestly, is, is to is to authentically read verses twenty five and twenty six of Lamentations chapter three and say, is this in any way true of my life? And if not, how can I create some contexts where I have space and margin uh, and Sabbath? To be able to spend time waiting on the Lord, so yes, I think I think even simply sitting sitting in silence is a, it's a great way to to calm down a little bit. And honestly, as you've heard me say in House of Prayer on Wednesday nights, Wednesdays are crazy busy. We're all over the place, running around. I step into the worship center, and of course, this is oftentimes after I've been helping out in holy grounds for forty five minutes or so, rushing around, putting plates out, and all the rest. And I step into the worship center, and we have the little prayer music going. And I just feel everything kind of just dropping about 10 notches. 
you know? So there's just, and, and, and that, that prepares me to even spend time with God. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I think that when I look back on that experience, the more time I had um, just together with God, the more it, I mean, it just gave me the ability to, to, to transform my mind. And I think it, it, there was a switch between I had, through my experience in youth, like I would mark off my little check boxes of I did this in the morning, and I did this in the evening, and so what, why is it not working? And what I started learning was that I would read a lot of these biblical passages about like God's love for people, and I would kind of put like a little aside of like, yeah, but just not for me, right? But the more I started embracing, like, no, this is God speaking to me through his word that he truly does love me, that I do have value, uh, that he calls me his own. The more I really internalized these verses and etched them on my heart and mind, the more I allowed his word to just wash over me and and really remove those negative thoughts. I started remembering, like, these are attacks from the enemy. These are attacks from my own flesh, and I have to wage war even against my own thought. Um, and I have to counter that with, is this what the Bible says about me? And the more I challenged it, the more I realized, like, hey, this is not what the Bible says. This is not how mm. God views me. So if this thought is not of God, then it must be of either Satan himself or it must be my own flesh raging war against me. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I would say that that's exactly my experience too, guys. Um, thinking about that season immediately after I kind of hit a wall mentally and emotionally, um, like I said, it. I tried to read my Bible, tried to pray, but the one thing that was kind of the first step for me was sitting with the Lord. And I remember specifically there were times either early, early in the morning or late at night when everybody else had gone to bed where I you know, put the phone away, turned the screens off, and I would just go sit and, and even sometimes cry to the Lord and say, I just need to be with you. Um, and that was very impactful for me because I grew up with that checklist that you're talking about, Josh, where it's like, these are all the things that you have to do to be a good Christian. Um, but I didn't really appreciate how important it was to really seek the presence of the Lord. Um, and so I would say that is the one thing that helped me down to start down a path to recovery. So let me, let me just add this. Yes, I think everyone can get to a point where uh, they just don't feel like they have the strength to, to seek the Lord or, or to do anything. And I think it's important to know that there's times when that's perfectly acceptable. You don't have to do anything because sometimes you have to get to the point where you can't do anything in order for God to truly step in. And I honestly, I think God is attracted to desperate moments in the, in the hearts of his people. I mean, he, I really believe that. One of the reasons is so he can demonstrate to us what he wants to do in and through us. You know, the, the old saying that the lifeguard doesn't want to move in on the, on the thrashing and floundering person until they've given up and they're done. Otherwise, you know, they may drag the lifeguard down. Well, clearly the, the analogy breaks down when it comes to God. But to some degree, I, I guess you guys have shared a little bit of personal backstory. I'll share a little bit as well. When I was uh, 20, 22 years old, I was stationed at Camp Pendleton, California. I was in the Marines, single, of course, at the time. And uh, my parents, who had been married for 25 years, decided to get a divorce. 
And uh, so, you know, this is back in the day when you had phone booths, and that was it. And there was a bank of about 20 phone booths up against the building. And usually on Saturdays or Sunday afternoons or something, I'd call my parents. And I was talking to my mom, and she said, well, I just need to tell you that your dad and I are getting a divorce. And it hit me like a thunderclap. Now, it's not to say that my parents ever had this perfect or ideal marriage because it was far from it. I mean, he was an alcoholic. They were fighting all the time. Friction, tension in the home. That's just That was normal for me. But as, as, as some of my other friends' parents got divorces and things, I thought, well, my parents' marriage isn't perfect, but at least they're together. So that when I go home from you know being on leave in the Marines or whatever, at least my mom and dad are under the same roof. So even that was taken away. This is where the scripture comes in, Romans chapter 8, verses 26. Well, just verse 26, actually. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I literally went about three days, and I didn't know how to pray. Now, I had been saved for about four years, and I was growing by leaps and bounds in my faith. I mean, I, was, I, I had grown far beyond what you would expect from someone who'd been just a four-year Christian. But, but at the time, I, just, I felt helpless, and I literally did not know how to pray or what to pray for for about three days. And that's when God showed me this verse from Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And, and I didn't really do anything. God was just there with me. And sometimes, I mean, that's, that's all you have. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, that's a great point, and uh, thank you so much for sharing that, and that's so true, um, and so thankful that He doesn't leave us or forsake us. Uh, so sometimes that next step is just to rest in the Lord. I know that was impactful for me, but there's some other things that we can do as well um, as far as trying to walk through or help someone walk through um, you know, dealing with anxiety or depression, whether it's an adult or a teen. Uh, another thing that was big for me was community. Um, isolation uh, was, is not good in general, but especially when you're dealing with um, these mental health issues. And so I very slowly um, started to um, come out of that shell and, and trust just a few people, um, but they proved to be incredibly helpful. Now, now these were people in a, a life group um, that knew the Lord, that were seeking the Lord, and um, that I, I felt that I could be honest with. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. And then sometimes it's actually seeking professional help. Josh, you mentioned seeing a counselor. I also saw a counselor, a Christian counselor, which I'm so thankful for because they were able to help me through a biblical worldview, um, but also saw my doctor. Phil, you mentioned um, that sometimes medication is helpful, just like it would be um, you know, if I injured my shoulder or something and I needed some help there. Sometimes our brains are not functioning correctly, and we need help, um, not as the solution necessarily, because right. I, I did a lot of hard work and counseling, but the medication certainly did help. Is there anything else that you guys would add as far as things that would be helpful for someone who's struggling right now? Well, I would, I would point out that, yes, we, I mean, even at Crossgate Church, we have recently partnered with an organization that provides good, solid, biblical Christian counseling. And, uh, you know, we, as pastors, of course, and, and even within life groups, we want to be the first line of ministry for sure. But there are times when we want people to be able to reach out beyond what we can offer on a consistent basis at Crossgate. And so, yeah, there's, we, we, we think it's very important to have that connection and relationship already established so that we can make a referral uh, to, to a credible and, you know, an organization that we 
I mean, we approve of and that we've vetted. I mean, and I would agree. I would just say the the biggest or one of the biggest tools is just keeping that conversation ongoing. That you know, resting in the Lord, uh, seeking out community, not isolation, um, seeking out professional help. Like that is a a pattern that really sets you up for success to overcome something like depression. Yeah. Well, we are almost out of time for today, but maybe somebody's listening, guys, and uh, maybe they're not the one who's struggling, but maybe they have a loved one, a, a teenager even, who is struggling with anxiety and depression. What advice uh, or counsel, encouragement would you give them? How can they best help and support? I mean, I would say one is be sure that you are actively listening. Speaking as a youth pastor to parents, I'm constantly reminding parents, like, look for warning signs. Make sure that you're listening. Um, Don't use uh, accusatory language. Like, Keith, you and I talked earlier about the things we've heard. Like, why don't you just pray more? Why don't you not... Why can't you just be happy? And it's like, well, those are those are like phrases. your brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to like that. None of those phrases help. As if someone's like, oh, thank you, and then suddenly they're all better. But you know, as a parent, if you are if you have a student that's dealing with this, like realize that burden is also not yours to bear alone. Like you are in a community of believers who are there to support you and help you as you're working with your student, with your teenager um, through depression. It's not something to be ashamed of, um, but it's something that you want community involvement with as well. Yeah, thank you so much. And I would agree that's definitely great advice and something that as the church, we want to come alongside, yes, those who are struggling, but also those who have loved ones uh, who are struggling and are trying to navigate how to best walk alongside them. So uh, as we wrap up today, I just want to say that if you're listening and you're struggling with anxiety or depression, um, we would love to talk with you. We'd love to be a help. Um, if at all we can, we'd love to pray with you. And so definitely want to do that and just reach out. Um, my email is keith at crossgate.org. Uh, Pastor Josh is josh at crossgate.org, and Pastor Phil is also available. And uh, just to wrap it up, I'm going to turn it over to him. Phil, you got any closing words? Yeah, let's, let's just pray for our listeners and for our church body. Heavenly Father, we know that this world in which we live, it is filled with burdens. It is filled with things that cause anxiety and grief, loss. There's depression. Perhaps even someone listening to this podcast has had some type of suicidal ideation. I pray, God, that your peace that passes all understanding would would find a place of, of lodging in the hearts of those who need it. Isaiah 26 said, you will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And Lord God, even the verse, one of the verses we referenced yesterday, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety upon him for he cares for you. And so, Lord, yes, there there are spiritual solutions. There are uh, very tangible solutions here on this earth, counselors and pastors and and other people within biblical community. Lord, help us to marshal all of the resources available uh, to meet people right where they're at, body, soul, and spirit, and and help us to give a word of hope and encouragement and and help us all to seek you and be radiant as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we realized that today's topic was a little heavy, so if you are out there listening and you're struggling with thoughts of suicide or self-harm, we want you to know that you're not alone. And we would invite you to reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by calling or texting 988. 
Thank you for listening to the More and Better Disciples podcast, a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, join us on our website, crossgate.org.